What's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode 124 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. In this episode, I speak about the untimely, senseless killing of Nipsey Hussle. I speak about a couple of instant classic fights that took place in UFC 236. And lastly, I speak about watching the Green Book movie. But first, a word from our sponsor. The Sponsor Day Podcast is brought to you in part by Fractal, a time travel tale. The debut novel by yours truly, Tony Ortiz. It is available now in digital form wherever books are sold and in paperback as well. Do you want to read a dope time travel story riddled with government surveillance and the balance of good versus evil? Justice versus injustice in a subculture of altruistic folks that have the ability to skip through time and right some of the wrongs of the past. Then Fractal is the book for you. It is available now wherever digital books are sold, whether you read on Kindle, iBooks, Kobo, or any other e reader, you can get your copy of Fractal now. It is also available in paperback if you're like me and actually like to physically hold a copy of a book that you're reading you can pick up your paperback copy on amazon i even recorded an entire podcast related to fractal my debut novel that you can listen to to find out how the sausage was made go to spuntoday.com forward slash books forward slash fractal all the links that you need to get the book in the format of your choice. That link again is spuntoday.com forward slash books forward slash fractal. Don't forget to let me know what you think and rate and review it on Amazon and Goodreads. All right, Nipsey Hussle, for those of you that don't know, was a rapper, entrepreneur, community activist and he was brutally shot and killed in broad daylight at the age of 33 last month in front of a store that he owned in the Crenshaw neighborhood of LA in California. I remember first stumbling upon Nipsey Hussle by randomly clicking on a uh, breakfast club interview i like watching a lot of different interviews whether i know the person or not and it was uh, one of those interviews i clicked on to see uh, who this dude was i would say maybe like a year ago maybe a little bit more i think he's been on the breakfast club a couple times if i'm not mistaken but the the video that i'm referring to is the one where he's wearing like a like a red hoodie so whenever that one came out and I remember being like so intrigued with the, like the way he thought, the way he came off as this like gangster hood dude for sure. But that was like secondary to a person that was wise and knowledgeable and just beyond his years. The stuff he was talking about in terms of tech and cryptocurrency and 
the way he envisioned the future and paths to betterment for himself and his community and empowerment was dope. And it wasn't just the substance behind that stuff, but the juxtaposition of who it was coming from. It's a self-admitted gang member from Compton, member of the Rolling 60 Crips. Yeah, on the flip side of that, he's speaking about mental clarity and meditation and eating right and bettering yourself so you can help others. Speaking about ownership, investing in the tech space, investing in real estate, building long-term wealth. That's just a lot of positivity and, to me, dopeness coming from someone that I would otherwise I guess as part of my own bias, just expect to hear more of a short-term, you know, get money, get rich, get cars, get hoes, get, go to the strip club, et cetera, et cetera, type of rhetoric from. And I guess that's like what made him so dope to me as a person, as far as uh, his interviews, is that like his appearance and, and your expectation going in is one thing. And he takes you, you know, someplace completely different. While still knowing that that other thing, that gangster side of him, that gang life that he grew up in and he was raised up on was very much so a part of of him that you couldn't unravel and separate from the person he was. But it was just the part of who he was. I know I, it's like beating a dead horse with how much I like say this on this podcast, but you know, we're all multifaceted individuals. We're, we're very layered. We're very nuanced. Nobody's just one thing or two things or three things. And I think Nipsey like embodied that he was like a microcosm of that. And it was sad, man. When I first heard I know I was on the computer, but I can't remember if I was either writing or just finished podcasting or just doing like website work and shit like that. But I was at the computer and I grabbed my phone like we do when we procrastinate and shit. Check your email, uh, check Instagram, Twitter, shit like that for a couple minutes. Then go back to doing whatever it is that you're doing. And... Like, I opened up Instagram, and the first post that I saw was a picture of Nipsey. And I saw, and it was uh, Nas that posted it. And uh, he wrote a caption. I said, rest in peace. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, nah, I can't believe that. And, like, I Googled it, and it was, like, a, a couple hours before that I just, like, broke that that news. And then... The rest of history was, you know, everywhere from there on out on all the social medias and more and more information came out. And I don't know, I just want to share a few things that resonated with me uh, about Nipsey, some positive shit about him. And yeah, it's just some stuff that I thought was uh, worth sharing with folks that may not have known. So, like I said, I 
first saw that that breakfast club interview and, and since then i've seen like at least half a dozen hour to two hour long interviews with him and whether it was on hot 97 uh the rap radar podcast was dope he did uh steph curry from from uh golden state he has like a youtube podcast uh, uh interview show he was on that i saw the breakfast club one a couple times prior to him passing and then again after he passed and he just he came off to me as like the old man in the movie that he was just like an og and he knew what was going on and he knew more than all the other characters in in the movie and just like drop gems on the protagonist of the movie yet he was still young you know he was 33 years old 31 32 in these interviews that that I was watching. And he just came off as like wise. I don't know. He like exuded that. Now a couple. A few d- dope things that I, uh, I read that he did in, in the community. As far as giving back was. Doing things like. Repaving and cleaning up parks and playgrounds. Buying students sneakers. For like going back to school. He invested in real estate. In his neighborhood. And by his neighborhood, I mean the Crenshaw neighborhood that he grew up in, in southern Los Angeles. I read an article, just one article, so I'm not sure how much stake you want to put in it, but an article saying that uh, in some of his uh, real estate investment, he uh, gave homeless people a place to live. I don't know if it was like by renting it to them cheap or what, but it also said that he gave uh, homeless folks uh, jobs. One of the parks that were completely rehabilitated in the neighborhood was by way of a partnership slash sponsorship that he had with Puma, the sneaker company. And he worked that into the deal. And the Puma deal came about because of a Reebok deal, uh, a proposed Reebok deal that he had the opportunity to sign on to but wound up turning down because they wanted to promote a a Reebok shoe with like blue coloring on it and uh add a rolling 60 logo uh to the sneaker obviously appeasing to the like gangster you know rolling 60 crip gang that Nipsey was known to be affiliated with or part of rather but he turned that down saying, you know, that he doesn't, didn't like speak for the gang. He wasn't like the, you know, leader of the whole gang or something like that. Like it wasn't his creation. He was definitely a part of it. But, you know, there's people serving life and 100 years and stuff like that in jail. And what would he look like if he took a check for like capitalizing on that name? And, you know, he turned that down and wound up doing the deal with Puma. Which obviously equaled money in his pocket, which is a smart move by him, good on him, but a direct impact to the to his immediate community is a dilapidated park was completely revamped, and I'll link to like pictures of it in the episode notes, and I think that actually a video of it in the episode notes is like a dope looking uh park and playground with basketball hoops and like muraled art on the walls. Which is dope to have, especially off the strength of a popular rapper 
being able to broker that deal into existence. Something else I thought was dope is that he uh, used to sell mixtapes. He used to he always did uh, like made his own music and used to sell mixtapes out of his car, or so the story goes, out of a, a specific uh, strip mall in Crenshaw on Slauson Avenue, and the like owners of like the stores within that strip mall used to like call the cops on him all the time and you know chase him out the parking lot and stuff like that for solicitation and he wound up buying that strip mall and all the stores within it and becoming the landlord there now or you know prior to his passing obviously and he made one of the which is like just open and of itself, right? Like, I mean, it's probably not the same ownership that that you know used to like run him out of there when when he was younger. But if it is, it's even more romantic of a story. But it's still dope to be able to say, you know what? Now I own this shit, and I can be here whenever I want. Those businesses obviously employed people from the neighborhood. He had he had a clothing company called Marathon Clothing that he started and the flagship store was uh he put in that uh, strip mall which is actually a strip mall where he was uh, shot and killed in front of there was also an app that people could use when shopping when physically shopping at a store to enhance the experience somehow the shopping experience and like i mentioned before he was like into into technology I read an article saying that uh, when he was a bit younger, he like built built a computer from top to bottom. He taught himself how to be able to to record and and produce his own music. He was an investor in tech companies and in uh, crypt, uh, cryptocurrencies. There was a couple that he mentioned specifically in his, I believe it was the Breakfast Club interview uh, that he invested in. Because he felt bad, he kind of like missed the boat on the uh, on the Bitcoin wave. He owned the rights to his music, meaning his masters. And he put out a bunch of projects, like mixtapes himself. But his uh, uh, debut label album called Victory Lap came out last year. And it was up for a Grammy for Rap Album of the Year. That's how dope it was. And I remember when it came out, well, after watching the interview... Uh, when he he was doing that like press run, it was when he was promoting the Victory Lap album. I remember uh, downloading it, checking it out. I thought it was cool. Thought it was good, and but uh, you know something that I would listen to again. But you know, I hadn't gone back to it. But I've been playing it a lot since he died, and it really is a dope classic album. I can see why it was up for a Grammy. Cardi beat him out for the Grammy. Shout out to Cardi. But it really, really is a good album. He has a, a track with, with Kendrick. And in Kendrick's verse, he says that one of his boys told him, yo, you're going to do a song with Nip. That, that boy's a crip. And Kendrick goes back to him, telling him, yeah, he is, but he's a man first. And listen to the positivity coming out of him. He's talking about positivity and empowerment and betterment etc etc you know obviously much more lyrical and doper than i just said it but 
is definitely fitting. And he has a lot of the, like hard lines. Some dope bars. That I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but I know I won't do it justice. So definitely check out the album. It's called Victory Lap. My favorite thing and what I found like most impressive of his like entrepreneurship is this building that he had of two floors and to serve uh, two distinct purposes. He recognized that his community, again, all the shit is in his community, which by the way is how you fix communities. It's how you build up communities. It's by investing money into them in tangible ways. It's how you uplift and help change communities for the better with opportunities and access to different things that they're otherwise not exposed to. And his community, which is notoriously known for being riddled with gang violence and cult gang culture, that self-perpetuates itself because it's the premier culture of the area. And he spoke about seeing like the lack of, of infrastructure within his community for people that wanted to start businesses and just get something going off the ground. So he has this 47, 4,700 square foot space that uh, is two floors. The top floor is a co-working environment, which occupies the second floor, the top part. And he offered uh, flexible short-term leases daily passes, monthly memberships, private offices, and custom build-outs for teams needing personalized options. And I hear something like that, and I think of like the neighborhood that it's in, and it's a place like that in any neighborhood provides access to folks that don't have the capital to open up their own office space, for example. But in a neighborhood like Crenshaw and Compton, and these areas that we know to be like uber violent areas and have this negative stigma about them it's that much more of a beautiful thing to me and i'll give you guys a tangible example i worked in real estate and mortgages for a long time and i worked with a lot of people trying to you know a lot of uh, real estate agents that's what you start off as right you take a a real estate class then you take a state exam and you become a licensed real estate agent and every two years you have to do some like refresher trainings and, and stuff like that to keep your license active. But besides that, besides going through that process, after you have your real estate license, you have to find a sponsoring broker, which means an office to work out of, a broker to work with. A lot of folks after you know having some success as being a sales agent want to open up their own place. And, you know, especially starting out, a lot of them didn't have the, like, capital to do so. And I know a couple of agents, like, cutting deals with the brokers that they were working for, technically, that were getting a cut of all their sales, to let them use their office for their own gig to, you know, let them do business, basically, in the broker's place of business, which obviously the broker's not incentivized to, and the, you know, all of those deals go sour, wind up going sour, and if one worked, 
that I can vaguely remember, it was like to the tune of the agent that was trying to start off his own thing, like getting raped financially by the broker, you know, because again, it's not in the broker's best interest to fund the business of a now competitor, technically. So a space like this where you can, you know, not have to sign a contract at the person's house and you can bring them into a professional space by renting an office for a day or for a week or for whatever it is can very much so make the difference between somebody taking you seriously and signing their house over to you for you to sell it for them in terms of like a listing agreement or you know somebody thinking oh this guy doesn't know what he's doing he's you know doing real estate out of out of his bedroom at home and that one deal that can gain you enough commission to you know really lease out your own spot and start growing your client list and having that snowball into you know one deal turns into another deal and you know the person that sold their house you know, a family member now wants to buy a house and they refer you to them and that's how the shit works, right? So a space like this is so dope and to have that flexibility in recognition of the neighborhood that you're in and the lack of financial resources within the neighborhood is a dope thing to be able to do. And again, in reinvesting in your neighborhood. That is a form of directly reinvesting in your neighborhood. And the ripple effects of that are truly limitless. Now, that's the second floor of this 4,700 square foot space. The first floor, which to me is even more impressive, was designed for the teaching and promotion of STEM programs. STEM standing for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. And it's a co-work space to try to connect young kids with jobs in the tech space. And they had workshops and they taught things like coding and other computer language in an attempt to bridge the gap between this impoverished neighborhood and opportunities in the tech space. Now, this location was known as Vector 90, if you guys want to look it up. And you know what the craziest shit is about the whole thing is that he he was killed by a member of his own gang. If it was like a blood versus crib, you know, eternal beef type of thing, it would kind of even not be okay, obviously, but it would make sense. It would make more sense. Like, you live by the sword, die by the sword type of thing. You know, you were in that life. You made that decision. It's a lifelong decision. Even though you're doing all this positive shit, that negative shit they did before caught up with you. You know, it kind of fit, like, that narrative. But it wasn't even that. It was, by all accounts of witnesses that were there, in the parking lot in front of the marathon clothing store that Nipsey owned in the strip mall that Nipsey owned in his neighborhood 
this dude that was, his name is Eric Holder, that was, again, from his same Nipsey's same clique, supposedly came around, and he was known to uh, being like a snitch or an informant or something like that, and they had some uh, verbal words, and Nipsey told him that, you know, he's not welcome there, he shouldn't be around there, and told him that he should bounce or something along those lines, and the guy did, he left, and then he came back with a gun and wound up shooting Nipsey. You know, all this was called surveillance, and, you know, you guys can watch that. I'm sure you can find it online fairly easily. And the dude, you know, like shot him five times, I believe, and then ran and then came back and shot him again in the head, like, to, like, make sure he was dead, and he, like, kicked him a couple times. And... I think everybody thought that that dude wouldn't, like, make it alive. Like, the streets were going to, like, find him before the cops did because they didn't find him for, like, a day or two. Um, But they wound up finding him trying to commit himself to, like, an in, in not insane asylum, but, like, a, a mental institution. So I'm guessing that's the, the angle he's going to use in, in his defense. And you know what's even crazy on top of that? The next day after uh, Nipsey was shot, the uh, police chief and police commissioner of the LAPD had a meeting on the books with him to discuss on ways to help stop and prevent gang violence in the neighborhood, which I feel like their infrastructure and his influence and knowledge and perspective could have done good things within that vein. And it's sad that we didn't, we weren't able to like, see that come to fruition. We got a like a glimpse of that, I would say, in like the aftermath of his passing. There, there's uh, another video that you guys can see online where that I think went viral, where like a lot of different ga- like uh, not just Bloods and Crips, but a bunch of different like sex and cliques and different gangs in the neighborhood which would normally have like a you know kill on sight type of mentality against each other we're all marching in unison in favor of stopping the violence and in memory of nipsey and i don't think anyone's naive enough to think that you know that's something that's going to last the peace uh you know I'm referring to when you're dealing with generations and generations of gang violence. You know, that is now like the fabric. It's embedded within the fabric of that neighborhood, the culture of that neighborhood. But it was still dope to see. And it shows that it's possible, you know. But yeah, man. It's a fucking big loss. R.I.P. to Nipsey Hustle. Alrighty, UFC 236 took place on April 13th, the day after my birthday, in 2019. What a dope card. This card was headlined by a lightweight main event between Max Holloway, who went up from 145 to 155, 
Max Holloway being the 145 pound champ went up to 155 to face Dustin Poirier for an interim title at 155 while Khabib Nurmagomedov is uh, serving his suspension for the whole like Connor uh, fight outside you know when they fought like he jumped over the ring and started fighting Connor's I don't know who I don't know that whole fucking blow up fiasco thing and a couple of Khabib's dudes uh, camp like uh, jumped Connor in the octagon serving that whole suspension and also he has Ramadan coming up which he doesn't fight during obviously because he's fasting can't eat anything and uh he's due to come back i believe at the end of the year so in the interim there's a lightweight belt on the line an interim lightweight belt and that was a classic fight like an instant classic there was two instant classic fights this was one of them probably if that's rank them one and two like the most instant classic and the second instant classic this would be the second instant classic but it was a dope back and forth between dustin poirier and max holloway max holloway i expected to look bigger um being that he he cuts a lot of weight to go to 145 and you know he's a, a lanky dude but you know he's a skinny guy like he he doesn't have a lot of muscle on him so he didn't look as big as I thought he would at 155, you know, having to cut less weight. And Dustin Poirier did look bigger. Like, he looked bigger than, than Max. You know, more, like, bulkier, I would say. Uh, Poirier put it on, on Max Holloway, man. He, I wouldn't say completely dominated. That, that wouldn't be fair to say. And Max Holloway, it was like a back and forth. And Max Holloway, I think it was in the second round was close to being close to putting Dustin Poirier away. You know, he's a phenomenal striker, Max Holloway is. And he was just connecting at will like he normally does. At 145, uh, Dustin Poirier was just able to, like, take his shots more than um, opponents usually are with Max Holloway. And whereas uh, Dustin Poirier's punches were like hurting max like a lot more frequently than max's were hurting dustin's but it was a dope fight and i implore you to watch it if you can now the co-main event was between kevin gastelum and israel stylebender adesanya and this is for the interim middleweight belt robert whitaker who's the current champion is uh hurt and recovering uh he was injured he was supposed to fight kevin gastelum a few months ago and he had to he had to bow out of that fight and they gave the the interim shot to israel adesanya against kevin gastelum and this was the number one fight in my opinion on this card and an absolute instant top 10 fight of all time. It was so dope to see. And Israel Stalbender Adesanya was 
the a fighter that I spoke about recently on the podcast when he fought against Anderson Silva. And that was kind of like a passing of the torch uh, type of fight that I told you guys about. And Kevin Gastelum is just a beast. And he was an ultimate fighter, uh, tough uh, champion. You know, he made it out of the show. And he was literally the last person to be picked on the show, uh, to be on the show. And, you know, was a complete underdog the entire time and wound up winning the whole thing. And he has since surprised and surpassed, I feel like, a lot of folks' expectations, including mine. And he had Stylebender hurt a bunch of times throughout this fight. I thought he was going to pull it off. And then Stylebender had Gaslam hurt a bunch of times throughout the fight. And I thought he was going to pull it off. It was either going to be a knockout or, or a submission. And it was just going back and forth and back and forth. And it was the first time I've seen Stylebender hurt. Stylebender, who has a 17-0 undefeated record. And Kelvin almost put him away. And then, like, in the fifth round of this fight, towards the end, seconds, I would say the last, like, 20 seconds of the fight, Stylebender was dominating the round, even though there was still some back and forth in the round. But by this point, like, the fight was, like, anybody's fight still. Stylebender fucked up Kelvin so bad that I thought, like, within the last 20, 10, 5 seconds even, I thought the ref was going to stop it. I think Rogan and and DC, they were calling, stop it, stop it. Because Stylebender, like, put it on him. They didn't stop it. The ref didn't. And it went to a decision, and Stylebender won. And is now the interim middleweight uh, title holder. And is going to face Robert Whitaker when he's able to return. And that's going to be a big fight as well. Now, Whitaker is like, I would say, like a bigger version of Kelvin. You know, powerful, stocky, taller and bigger. And Adesanya had a, I would say, a very tough time with Kelvin. So... I don't know if he would be a favorite against Robert Whitaker. The only thing he has to his advantage is that, you know, Whitaker's been out for several months now, maybe even longer than that. Oh, maybe like a year. Has it been a year? Maybe a little bit more. I don't know. Around the year, a little more, a little less. By the time they have the this fight, it probably will be more. But definitely, definitely a dope one to look out for. Because... Again, Stylebender's like the new age Anderson Silva. So I'm sure you could pull off amazing shit. Then another dope fight that I saw that was like really one-sided was this dude, uh, Khalil Roundtree versus Eric Anders. And Khalil Roundtree apparently went to Thailand for, I don't know, like recently to study uh, like Thai boxing. And he looked like fucking Saget from Street Fighter like super ill and like a complete distinct like Thai style with that like fluid like lead leg and he was just like dominating with that style and the commentators were, were like joking that there's like a, a bunch of, of fighters that just booked their flights to Thailand while they were watching like this fight and yeah, definitely wouldn't blame him 
But yeah, yo, that's UFC 236, which aired on April 13th from the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia. Next up is the movie Green Book. I like watching, and I try to make it a point of watching all the uh, like movies that are up for like Oscars and Golden Globes for like movie of the year. I like watching each of them. I try to anyway. Green Book is the first of this past year that that I've watched. I have um, Bohemian Rhapsody to watch next. I saw some of the Lady Gaga one. I was like in and out on that one. But Green Book, I thought it was a really good movie. I liked it a lot. I thought the movie was in large part about balance and finding balance within yourself and outside of yourself in life in general. And I thought the movie showed this by like the obvious racial overtone of black and white, but it also showed this in more subtle ways like bad cops, like the cops that that arrested Dr. Shirley in the south and like uh took took a bribe, took money to like let him go. And the other cops that just like locked them, locked them both up. And Doctor Shirley had to call, call in a, a favor with uh, somebody that he knew that knew Bobby Kennedy. Versus good cops like the cop that pulled, pulled them over when it was like snowing. They were driving back to New York. Spoiler alert. Uh, you know, like help them while they like changed the tire. So it showed like that balance, like. At the cop level, for example. Uh, you had the balance within musicians. You had the very classically trained pianist and Dr. Shirley and his trio. Balanced with the freedom and fluidity of jazz. And the improvisation of jazz and rock and roll. The two protagonists balanced each other very well you know one being black one being white uh dr shirley went from being an uptight individual that you know wouldn't eat with his hands he performed on only a specific piano and didn't know any like popular music or who the artists were and then at the end wound up playing eating you know eating chicken and uh playing on a broke down piano in a local dive bar so the movie showed like the growth of that character in that direction the balance of that character conversely you had frank the lip which was his driver he went from being a a streetwise individual slightly racist to accepting uh the doc for you know, who he was and, you know, being like in awe of him. One of not agreeing with racism the way he did before. He was far more accepting and, you know, wound up welcoming the doc and inviting the doc to his house. And one of his family members, like, uh, said a derogatory remark about the doc. And, you know, he told him, you know, not to say that. He also worked on his vocabulary and his communication and they learned from each other in that way from 
just being around each other, bonding with each other, being forced to be with each other because they were on this uh, long road trip where Dr. Shirley was going through the Jim Crow South to play his music. And in his way, through his art, through his talent, through the way he knew how, tried to show that someone that was black can be as pristine and excellent at this craft and do it better than most in the hopes of trying to mend some of the divisions within the Jim Crow South. It's a very dope story based on a true story. And the Green Book, it's called the Green Book because there's a, a book called the Green Book within the story which is a listing of all the like hotels that Dr. Shirley uh, could stay at because he was African-American. And he couldn't stay where his driver, Frank, could stay. And, you know, they're both from New York, so this uh, segregation uh, didn't exist there. But down south, it was alive and well. And just to go back to... What I was saying before about people being like multifaceted is depicted in this within uh, Dr. Shirley with how, you know, like dignified and how proper he was. But he did offbeat shit like get pissy as drunk and then walk into a bar and and pick a fight and wind up getting fucked up and then, you know, getting pissy as drunk and hooking up with. Uh, he was a homosexual hooking up with like a random dude and wind up getting arrested for that. So he was this like classical pianist with all this high level training. He had tons of money and very well off. An educated individual. Very high strung. But then did that like off the ball, off beat shit as well. There's a dope line that Dr. Shirley tells. Uh, Frank, which is don't lose your cool and maintain your dignity. I thought that was a a dope line. And uh, Sebastian Maniscalco, the comedian, the comic, was in the movie. Uh, He played a relative of Frank. And it was super funny. There was like a pawn shop guy, a guy that owned a pawn shop, that Frank pawned his watch at to, uh, for some money to like, uh, pay rent and stuff like that because uh, he wasn't doing like too well financially but he was like a respective guy in the neighborhood in terms of you know being like a rough and tough guy which is why he winds up taking the job to be dr shirley's driver because it paid well and even though he was going to be away from his family um he was going to make enough money to like support them for for some time and he anyway he pawns his watch and uh, then leaves instruction with uh, Sebastian, his relative, to go pick up the watch, you know, before the, the pawn shop guy sells it to get it back for him. You know, he sent him some money, you know, once he made the money and whatever. So long story short, Frank comes back home on Christmas and, you know, he's like in the middle of uh, the family's like in the middle of Christmas dinner and 
it was hilarious. The the pawn shop guy shows up to the dinner, and Sebastian gets the door, and he tells him, "You showed up. You actually came. I was kidding. And you brought your wife too." And then the guy comes in or whatever, and uh, Sebastian turns around to everybody and says, "Hey, everybody, it's so and so, whatever the guy's name was, and he didn't even bring anything on Christmas." <laughs> I don't know. The that scene was just funny. Sebastian busting his balls like I invited you to Christmas, but I didn't think you'd fucking show up, and you didn't even bring anything. You fuck. And one last line that I thought was was really dope in the movie that I'll leave you guys with is the world is full of lonely people scared to make the first move. Let that one marinate for a bit, folks. That's episode 124 of the Spun Today podcast. Stick around, listen to some tunes in the background, listen to one of my favorite Nipsey tracks from the Victory Lab album. And then stick around for some ways you can help support the Spun Today podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. I'm prolific, so gifted. I'm the type that's gonna go get it. No kidding, breaking down a switch in front of your building, sitting on the steps, feeling no feelings. Last night it was a cold killer. You gotta keep the devil in this hole, nigga. But you know how it go, nigga. I'm front line every time it's on, nigga. Hundred pro flow, running shoot pro, 458 drop, playing bulletproof soul. Every few shows I just buy some new gold. Circle got smaller, everybody can't go. Downtown Diamond District, jewelers like yo. Hustle, holla at me, I got Cubans on the low. Through the Cancun, smoking Cubans on the boat. Then dock that Tulum just to smoke. Look, listening to music at the Mayan ruins. True devotion on the bluest ocean. Cruising, my cultural influence, even revolution. I'm integrated vertically, y'all niggas blew it. They tell me hustle, dumb it down, you might confuse me. It's like that weirdo rap you motherfuckers used to. I'm a urban legend, South Central in a certain section. Can't express how I curb detectives. Guesses, evidence of a divine presence. Blessings, held me down at times I seem reckless. Effort, got a L but got a E for effort. Stretched it, dropped him off in the Mojave Desert. Then left me, ain't no answer to these trick questions. Money making nip, straighten out my jewelry on my best dresser. Well known, flick up in jail clothes. Snatch a champagne bottle from Rico's till T-shirts. Whatever, niggas, play a chess, not checkers, nigga. 38 special for you clever niggas. See, bro, you ain't living down by the street code. Been through all these motions up and down like a seesaw. I can never view you as my equal. Fuck, I want to hear your CD phone. Would you like to receive a short email from me once a week? You know that feeling you have on a Monday at work when you have absolutely nothing to look forward to except for lunch? Have no fear. The Midday Monday Boost letter is here. In this short weekly newsletter, you will receive five things. One is a photograph of the week from a photographer, a podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts, dozens and dozens of podcasts, hundreds of episodes, and I cherry pick the best ones and I share them with you here. You'll also receive a video of the week, which could be anything from a rap battle to a TED talk. You receive a quote of the week, something to let marinate in your mind and a word of the week so that you and I can 
both step up our vocab. So if any of that sounds of interest to you, check it out. Check out the subscribe page at spuntray.com forward slash subscribe. Drop in your email address and you'll receive the very next one. For any writers or creatives out there, I have a questionnaire. It's a five question questionnaire that anyone is free to fill out. It's located at spuntray.com forward slash questionnaire. And what it is, is five open-ended questions related to your craft. It's things like what inspires you to write or create whenever you don't feel the inspiration to do so. What are your favorite apps or tools or tricks to trick yourself into getting into the mind state of actually creating? What inspires you, et cetera, et cetera, stuff like that. And what I do with your responses is share them on a future episode of the podcast. Now, you can choose to remain anonymous if you choose to. You have that option right there when you fill out the questionnaire. And if you do not choose to remain anonymous, I give you a shout out on the podcast and promote for free whatever it is that you have going on. So I appreciate you in advance for sharing that with me, as well as the rest of the listeners of the Today podcast, which would stand to gain from you filling out the questionnaire. Now, you can help support the podcast in a myriad of ways. One way which does not cost you anything and is most popular within the podcasting community is by shopping on Amazon using my affiliate links banner. So the way that works is you go to spontaneity.com forward slash affiliate links or just click on the affiliate links tab at the top center of the page. And there you will see a banner for Amazon. You literally just click on that and it takes you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It does not cost you anything extra, but Amazon will give me a kickback just for driving traffic to their website. So that would be a big help. It literally costs you nothing extra financially, just costs you a couple of extra clicks of your mouse before you do your Amazon shopping. The iTunes banner that's on that same page works the same way. So if you're purchasing music or movies or whatever it is on iTunes, feel free to go through my affiliate link portal there as well. If you want to make a one-time PayPal donation, feel free to do so. There's a PayPal donation button on there as well. Within that same tab, you'll also find a link to the Spun Today Viral Style store. Now, the Viral Style store is a store where you can get Spun Today merch, whether it's a coffee mug or a t-shirt that I personally designed. And spoiler alert, I'm no... I'm no Ralph Lauren or, you know, whoever designs Gucci stuff, (laughs) but I did create the design of those shirts myself. I have a couple t-shirts on there. One that says, for example, right need every day, which is a play off of Snoop, Dre and Nate Dogg's smoke weed every day. So it's right need every day. with like a puff cloud of smoke behind it. I have a podcast versus everybody t-shirt and uh, just stuff like that. So check it out. The link to the viral style store is also there. You can also help support the podcast on a reoccurring basis if you become a Patreon supporter. Now, Patreon is pretty cool and it there's a little um, video explanation of what it is and how it works, but I'll try to do my best to summarize it here. Basically, you sign on to Patreon, which is a free service for your account, and you can support not just myself, but any other uh, podcasters or creatives that also have Patreon pages. And you can choose to, for example, 
donate a dollar to them on a per episode basis. So the Sponsor Day podcast has two uh, episodes a month. So if you donate a dollar to it, it'll be two dollars a month, basically. And you set it up and it just happens automatically on a reoccurring basis. There are zero fees. You can cancel at any time. No hassle, no bullshit. And it's uh, it's a cool way to help support and is much appreciated. And also, it's not just like a, for example, uh, a PayPal donation, which is just that. But through Patreon, it allows the creator, in this case being myself, to set up a reward system, if you will. So if you donate a dollar per episode, you are considered a tier one supporter. If you donate $3 per episode, you are a second tier supporter, et cetera, et cetera. And it goes up to four tiers and each tier gets different things like uh, tier one gets a free sponsored bookmark and a shout out on the podcast. Tier three gets a gets those two things from tier one as well as a free writing piece that's not posted on on my website or available to anyone else etc etc so check that out if you will and uh, visit my patreon page at patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash spun today Another great, amazing way to help support the podcast is to rate and review it. This costs you absolutely nothing. Whether you listen on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, on Pocket Casts, on Overcast, on Player FM, on Google Play, on YouTube, on Tumblr, or if you listen on Podbay or any other of your favorite podcast apps. Please rate and review the episode. It really is the number one way to help the show gain traction, gain exposure. You know, you could also share it with friends and family and tell them, you know, check out what this idiot is saying. Some of it is actually pretty good or it all fucking sucks and you should listen and laugh. But as long as you're listening, (laughs) it would be much appreciated. So rate and review the podcast wherever it is that you listen. Follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at Spun Today like the facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash spun today subscribe to my youtube page as well all podcast episodes are available on youtube as well as clipped versions for example with the random rant episodes you know i speak about a bunch of different topics instead of having the full episode alone which is also available on youtube but you also have snippets of the different topics broken up into more digestible chunks so check that out you can also support by checking out my book make way for you tips for getting out of your own way it's a quick short read if you're looking for some inspiration and motivation and you can find out more about it at spuntray.com forward slash books there you'll find a video of me telling you all how the book came to fruition as well as a couple of audio excerpts if you're interested you can purchase it wherever books are sold kindle ibooks Kobo in ebook or paperback format, which you can find on Amazon. Also, for being a sponsor today listener, I can also send you a free copy right there on that same landing page at sponsor.com forward slash books. Drop in your email address at the bottom of the page and I'll shoot you over a copy in the format of your choice. And that's all I got, folks. Thanks again for checking out this episode. And as always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening.